Chris Gelser here with Matt Howell. On this episode of The First Run, Matt and I are going to discuss Mandy. No, seriously, we're going to discuss Mandy. We're also going to wrap up our martial arts marathon with King Boxer, or it's as it's also well known, The Five Fingers of Death. And since it's our last film in the marathon, we're going to tell you what our martial arts marathon awards are. What was the best film of the marathon? What was the best fight scene? What was the best or worst dubbing? And more. So stay tuned. But first up, here's a clip from Mandy. Buckle up. You and that ugly little whore. You think you're so in love? I'll show you love. Lucy? Neil. So that, of course, is Thomas Wayne himself, or as you may know him from the last three seasons of Law & Order. That's Linus Roach. He plays Jeremiah Sand, and he hands Sister Lucy a revolver to basically pull the trigger to prove that that she loves him. And I think, Matt, we should probably set some ground rules on this episode. So I think at this point, first off, we're going to... I, you can't talk about this thing, I think, and not get into spoilers. There may right. be some profanity. Just a heads up, everybody, all right? This episode will have an explicit tag because I don't think there's just no way to dance around this thing. So I think, Matt, we just go for it, all right? All right. Sounds so good. If, if you haven't seen Mandy yet, don't listen because we're basically going to kind of talk about it because I think you have to. So, okay. Nicholas Cage <laughs> plays Red Miller. And he has a lovely young uh, female partner, Andrea Riseborough, uh, Mandy. So one day, Mandy's walking on her way to work, and she runs afoul, if you will, of Linus Roach, who's the head of a cult, and he's got his cult buddies. And Jeremiah, Linus, becomes obsessed with her, and he must possess her. So they send out a demonic biker gang. One of them, of course, drives a quad. And... They snatch her up and they basically beat Nick Cage with an inch of his life. And then she brings, they bring, uh, what? So they, so Mandy gets doped, right? She gets drugged. And right. that's when things kind of, like, I don't want to say that's when things kind of go crazy. Cause I think things kind of go crazy for pretty much from the opening credits of this thing. You think so? Maybe a little bit, but, uh, she unfortunately meets a horrific end. Cage survives, and now it's it's revenge time. I think that basically wraps things up, right? I think that's good. Yeah, yeah, that that pretty much sums it up. Yeah. So this thing has got a lot of buzz, Matt. Right? Everybody's saying how Gonzo insane it is, and how it's like one of those once in a lifetime cinematic experiences that you have to see. We've been hearing a lot of buzz about it that it's also like one of Cage's best performances in years, and that it's basically an insane film that you have to experience. Do you agree okay. with that, or is this thing just an absolute unmitigated disaster? 
Uh, I wouldn't say it's an absolute unmitigated disaster. It is. It is weird. Like it is really. It's hard to say. This isn't a film that you sit and, and watch and enjoy so much as it's a film you experience. Now, whether that's a good thing or a bad thing, um, I don't know. But this is. Mm-hmm. I, I can't say this is Nick Cage at his best in years because to me it seems like this is Nick Cage at his most Nick Cage unhinged, um, insane, kind of googly-eyed, bug-eyed yeah. acting. Um, in fact, there was one point after Mandy gets killed and he wanders back to their house and he's in his bathroom um, drinking away his pain and he's like screaming and and kind of making these grunts and noises for like five minutes straight just in one take and i literally said to my oh he was in his underwear too i literally said to myself this man won an act won an oscar and i just could not believe it (laughs) that this was the same guy um yeah i don't know this movie is not for everybody um but uh i think it's in our wheelhouse chris i think this is in our wheelhouse which i don't know what that says about the two of us (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I I feel I wonder if so direct it's written and directed by a gentleman named Panos Cosmatos and I think I wonder if this is like a P.T. Anderson Mark Wahlberg Olivier Isaias Kristen Stewart thing right or because I think that Cosmatos is able to channel Cage's madness perfectly or at least he gets exactly what he needs for this film or it may be more it's just that he needs a film that's as crazy as he is and that's what Mandy is I'm not sure which which to come down on on that, but uh, overall, I mean, I really enjoyed this thing. It is bizarre. I feel like, all right, so Mandy is an illustrator for kind of fantasy, kind of pulp sci-fi horror novels, right? Right. And I feel like that's basically what this film is. This is a visual representation of a fantasy revenge story. So right. it made me wonder if more this is just Cage just snaps. And then that's kind of when the film... Because remember, I don't think it really goes off the walls crazy until Mandy gets drugged. And that's when we start getting yeah. some of that psychedelic effects with her interactions with Brother Jeremiah. Right. But And then, of course, Cage doses himself as well. With the bad LSD. Yes. Yeah. Which, remember, never take the green... Is it brown LSD? I can't remember what the Woodstock is. They'll take the brown acid, yes. Brown acid. So, but it's, so part of me was wondering is maybe that's what this is that this thing is just Cage's psychotic break where he's incorporating Mandy's fantasy art into his revenge, what, mandate that he has to right. take care of. Yeah. So. But I think the bikers are really there. I think the demon bikers are really oh, there. I don't think they're demonic, but I think they're really there. I'm Yeah, I think they're there, but are they... That's true because they do show up prior. The crazy Hellraiser bikers show up prior <laughs> to uh, prior to anybody being drugged. That's true. All right. Yeah. Still, I maybe though it's still just his him telling this story, kind of like maybe. a Princess Bride thing. Maybe. Sure, which Very... is I think probably <laughs> the only place you're going to hear a Princess Bride <laughs> comparison made while discussing Mandy. See, I just I don't know. I I kind of envisioned i took it at face value i was saying that this stuff is really happening and i think it's just deeper and deeper into his descent into madness from his trauma and and the fact that he's on this crazy drugs and just that he's just had a psychotic break and i think you those kind of 
interludes, those animated interludes, and those kind of just weird, mm. surreal images and stuff like that. I think that's part of his his psychosis at the point at that point. But I think a lot of it, for the most part, is really happening. And I think it's just kind of it teeters that line between fantasy in and of itself um, because it is just a strange movie. But I I had a good time watching it. Yeah, that's I agree. Sure. I still I don't I mean he does kill everybody. I just don't know if the right. fantastical elements are added by his brokenness and then enhanced by the intake of the narcotics. Maybe. But, you know, I don't I don't think it really matters. Because this thing basically is just, it's a trip from beginning to end. I feel like Cosmatos 2 wants you to dose yourself prior to watching this thing to really get the full experience. of life. Right. That would be a really bad idea, folks. Do not do that. <laughs> And I will say that he directs this thing with not just a sure hand, but I think a blazing iron fist. I mean, you're getting every haunted image that this guy that's ever stalked this guy's nightmares. Right. Uh, It is really, as I said, I think in the opening, it's a visual representation of a fantasy slash horror film. Now, have you seen this, his other film? I have not. Okay. What is he else? What else has he done? I am not familiar. He's done one other film called beyond the black mirror. I've, I've, Oh, I think I actually, okay. I started to watch this and then I didn't I didn't get into it deep because something happened. It was on Netflix for quite a while. Okay. And uh, they pulled it. It's not from the it's no longer there, so I never got to see the whole thing. But okay. it's supposed to be relatively well received as well. I don't okay. know the same guy. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Have you seen his other film? No, I haven't, but I mean I'm curious to see it because I understand it's kind of more I don't want to say low rent, but obviously a lower budget, smaller film. But I remember that part of, of it, yeah. That I, it has a lot of the same kind of out there kind of visual imagery as much as he can manage. And it seems to be that this is this guy's wheelhouse kind of thing. Mm-hmm. I was curious. Yeah. No. So what are your final thoughts on Mandy? Give me um, a grade and who do you recommend it to? Oh, uh, geez. <clears throat> um, so I kind of want to grade this thing on a curve. Now, if you took this against and put this up against every other movie we've seen this year, I would say this is probably a B film. Um, but for what it is, I want to give it an A minus just before this kind of like weird, just surreal, nasty kind of experience that in that kind of genre of film, I think it's an A minus film. I think it's really, really good. I had a good time watching it, but really you have to be a fan of horror and grindhouse and have to have a high tolerance for kind of, uh, non-narrative non-linear kind of stories and just kind of deal with the imagery and just kind of take the ride kind of thing yeah i don't know if it's so much that the story is non-linear or more just how fantastical it is and how it's more about metaphor and imagery than it is telling a traditional story uh, yeah so if you're on board for that then i would agree i actually have it down as an a myself because of Do you? That. yeah i mean it was just it's it's a mind trip and i really though i really enjoyed it uh you should definitely seek it out. I know it's playing limited in some theaters and gaining steam actually week to week. Mostly, though, I think in the smaller art theaters. I cannot wrap my head around the fact that it's not here in Tampa. It blows mm. my mind. In fact, if I, I don't even think it's in Orlando. If it was, I may, I may have made that trip. But still, this is something that I, I want to say can't be missed, but it is a particular audience who I think will appreciate it as we did. Yeah, yeah, this is definitely not a film for everybody. But if you're the type of person who wants to see this, you've probably already heard about it and you want to see it. And I highly recommend you going and doing that. I agree. Wow. So we avoided, I think, spoilers for the most part and no profanity whatsoever. I don't know what LSO worked up about. 
Yeah, you were you were in the mind space of Mandy. It had gotten into your head, man. I think it had. Yeah. Oof. I don't know what I'm going to do with his gigantic axe now, though. <laughs> his Dungeons and Dragons, a heavy metal axe. I love that. <laughs> it really is like a black metal kind yeah. of uh, uh, death metal horror. Like, oh, with that kind of, you know, <laughs> with that your baby. Well, the guy, the guy, the guy uh, who did the score, he's actually in a, in a like a black death metal band. Well, he that's he, well, he uh, he passed away. That's Johan Johansson. He also yeah. did. Uh, the fantastic score for uh, Sicario. Mm, okay. And Arrival. Wow. And I think he did Prisoners as well. But yeah, he actually passed away earlier this year. Okay. Unfortunately, this is one of the last scores he did. That's another thing too. This thing, the score on this is... It's a weird mix of kind of synth 80s with just nightmare fuel kind of black kind of metal mm. type. It's, it's, I don't know. It's a trip, folks. If you've seen Mandy, shoot us an email at feedback at the first run.com. I know I say that every week, but I got to tell you, I am dying to hear your thoughts on this one. Yeah. Tell us about what you think about the, uh, the macaroni and cheese goblin. I really yeah, the cheddar goblin. Yeah, cheddar goblin, loves yeah. cheddar goblin. Mm-hmm. So yeah, we'd love to hear it. All right. So we got a big, big film coming up on Blu-ray and DVD this upcoming Tuesday, Matt, one of the best films for, of the year. And, uh, here's a clip. Hey guys, it's Kayla back with another video. Um, so, I'm making this video to just kind of say that I'm not going to be making videos anymore or, you know, I'm taking a break or something. Um, and I don't, I don't know if anyone is like really watching or cares, um, but if you are, sorry if this is like a bummer to you, um, but it's the right thing to do. Um, I started making videos, you know, to, like, give tips and stuff and, you know, help you guys out, but, I don't know. If I'm being really honest, I'm probably not, like, the best person to give advice because I, I like, you know, I like giving advice and, like, talking about doing stuff, but... I can't really actually do that stuff. Um, and, yeah. So it's a clip from eighth grade. But, Matt, I've dropped the ball the last couple of weeks. I just want to remind people that every episode is specifically mastered for a particular <laughs> listening experience. And, of course, this episode is best listened to while blacksmithing and making your own axe. <laughs> so there you go. One of the best films of the year, I think, so far, Matt, Eighth Grade, is being released on Blu-ray this upcoming Tuesday, October 9th. It includes audio commentary by the director, Bo Burnham, and the actress who you just heard, Elsie Fisher. There's some deleted scenes and a making-of featurette as well. One of the more, I don't know if I should say disappointing, because I don't think I really had any expectations. The latest rock vehicle, Skyscraper, is being released. It includes a steel book, which you can get exclusively from Best Buy. Some deleted and extended scenes. Six more making up featurettes and then Dwayne Johnson embodying a hero. Go behind the scenes and see what it took for Dwayne Johnson to bring this intense character to life. So, Skyscraper. Hotel Artemis is being released as well, starring Jodie Foster. It's about it's, it's set in a riot-torn near-future L.A. And the film follows the nurse who runs a secret members-only emergency room for criminals. 
Uh, I think this got a very limited theatrical release where it was only yeah. for the weekend. It didn't do very well. I'm be, although I am curious to see it. I feel like this is like in the John Wick verse though. Like this is the hospital version of the right of the the Continental. It's got a pretty good cast on it though, so you may yeah. want to check it out. DC Animated returns with Constantine City of Demons. A mm. decade after a tragic mistake, family man Chaz and occult detective John Constantine set out to cure Chaz's daughter Trish from a mysterious supernatural coma. I really am behind on my DC Animated stuff. There's a lot of it. It's hard to keep up with. They came up with stuff all the time. I love me some Constantine. And from what I've heard, this one's actually pretty good. Uh, Don't worry. He won't get way far on foot is the latest film from Gus Van Sant, starring Joaquin Phoenix, Jonah Hill, Rooney Mara, Jack Black, Udo Kier, and Carrie Brownstein. It's about John Callahan, who becomes paralyzed after a car accident at age 21 and turns to drawing as a form of therapy. And again, to clarify, that's don't worry. He won't get far on foot. The word away is nowhere in that title. I just have to riff once in a while. <laughs> the whole the animated horror comedy family friendly franchise Hotel Transylvania keeps on trucking, and here's volume three, which includes three all new karaoke sing alongs, behind the screams, Johnny's Home Movies, which is a recap of the whole franchise, two mini movies featuring Puppy and Goodnight Mr. Foot. So I don't know, Matt, if you're if you're a little one, isn't a big fan of the Hotel Transylvania series. Ah, she likes them, yeah. So there you go. Uh, yeah. New to Blu-ray, Criterion is giving us eight hours, don't make a day. The interlocking stories of blue-collar workers in 1970s Germany as they confront the issues of the day, such as unfairness or the power structure at work, making ends meet, and facing Germany's changing social mores. Directed, of course, by Rainer Werner Fassbender. It features a new 2K digital restoration by the, of the film, as well as Eight Hours Don't Make a Day, a series, Becoming a Family Reunion, a 2017 documentary about the film, featuring interviews with the actors and some other stuff as well. Matt, though, I think one of the big films being released on Blu-ray this week for me is The Unnameable by new production company Unearthed Films. The Unnameable is a late 80s horror film based on uh, an H.P. Lovecraft story. I remember watching this as a kid and being really freaked out by it. It's been unavailable for a very long time. And now it's being dropped to us with a brand new 4K HD scan. It also includes audio commentary with some of the cast and crew. So have you ever seen The Unnameable? I have not. I have not. It was one of those better straight-to-DVD films of the uh, late 80s in the horror market. So you should check it out if you get a chance. Scream Factory is releasing collector's editions of the following two films. First, Trick or Treat which is a brand new 2K remaster of the film, supervised and approved by the director, Michael Doherty. Includes a whole bunch of new featurettes, including some new interviews and uh, some other stuff in the making of the film. I enjoy Trick or Treat. Have you uh, was, have you seen that one, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. We did it for the show, I think. Did we did it as part of a, like a Halloween marathon. It's a, good, it's a good film. Yeah. So you can pick up this new collector's edition. They're also releasing what I think is not a very good film, but some people seem to like it, is House on Haunted Hill. The 1999 remake, which includes a new new 2K remaster and three new interviews, one with the director, the composer, and the visual effects supervisor. They're also giving us Man in the Iron Mask, the 20th anniversary, if you feel like feeling old. It includes a brand new 4K remaster for the original camera negative and a couple new interviews as well. Of course, this is the Leonardo DiCaprio film, if you don't remember. Right. Yeah. Yes. Warner Archive is also releasing a cult classic 
what is it? One of those afternoon TV movies from the late seventies. Are you familiar with Bad Arnold? Excuse me, Bad Ronald, not Bad Arnold. Bad. No, Ronald. Not. I've never heard of it. Bad Ronald is a crazy little film that was. It shocked me because it's super creepy and really disturbing, and it was like on TV in the afternoon. Uh, you're probably not young enough to remember when they used to do those kind of mid those late afternoon movies. Uh. Yeah, I do remember. I mean, like original movies, or they yeah. would. Uh, no, I don't. I don't. No, yeah. no, I don't. I don't remember those. No, I don't. So what happens is Ronald, like if I remember correctly, he he kills his a neighbor girl, and what he does is he he feels so guilty about it. He goes home, and his parents kind of lock, kind of put him in a room. So he's in the room by himself, and his parents okay. die, and he's stuck in there. And then eventually new people move in and he starts like stalking them. And it goes, it's really bizarre, especially <laughs> for like a, an afternoon TV movie. But Bad Ronald is finally being released on Blu-ray and includes a brand new remaster. A couple other things of note, pre-hysteria. About the, remember the kid who has the little pocket dinosaurs that are real? Sure. Uh, the Denzel Washington film, Out of Time. The coming-of-age film, Can Hardly Wait. Best Buy is, I think it's Best Buy, is releasing a steel book of Halloween 2. And then a couple 4K releases, one I do not understand at all. Uh, that is The Evil Dead. I okay. don't, I mean, how clean a picture are you going to get on that thing when it's going to sure. start looking ridiculous? And then Hook. Your straight to DVD pick of the week is Deadly Crush. When a painter rents a schedule, excuse me, a secluded cabin to jumpstart her creativity, she has sex with a ghost and finds herself part of his wicked plan to bring itself back to life. Which I guess somebody watched Ghostbusters and is like, how can I make this creepier? <laughs> you know whenever he talks about that with Dan Aykroyd, like got down with that ghost? Oh yeah, that's uh yeah, but that wasn't he dreaming? He was dreaming in that one. I don't was he? I don't Yeah, know. I think he was dreaming. Alright. So I mean it was his own perversions, but it didn't really happen. Yeah, so I don't know if that makes it any better. <laughs> Slightly better? So what should we be streaming this week? So I can't remember if I recommended this, Chris. So if I have, go ahead and stop me. But I think it would make an interesting double feature mm -hmm. with what we just watched. So before you go out and watch Mandy, um, available on Amazon Prime is uh, Mother, the Jennifer Lawrence vehicle, which, well, Mother exclamation point, um, which is a very strange film where she is married to Javier Bardem. He's an author. Um, and then weird people start coming over to her house. And then the thing it's really slow moving. And then it just goes completely bad at the end of like in the last 20 minutes. And, and yeah. it's just really, really strange and also very surreal in a lot of ways. Um, I think it would make a very interesting double feature with Mandy. Yeah. I mean, you want to talk about another film that's basically all metaphor. Mm. Uh, Mother certainly is, is that. That is an interesting pick. Where are we? Where can we stream that? I missed that. Where is it's that on name? Amazon Prime. Mother okay. exclamation point. All right. That's. Hmm. I'm curious what people think of that one. All right. So, what's up next? King it's Boxer. All, it's all come to this. Five Fingers of Death or King Boxer, the last film in our martial arts marathon. If you don't count the craziest one we're going to do later on, <laughs> but the legit films. This is it. So here's a clip from King Boxer. Jihau, I'd like you to go back with Doming. To be taught by Shen Jinpei himself. But, sir, I'm getting old now. 
Take yesterday evening, for instance. Just a few years ago, I could have handled those thugs without any effort at all. In those days, Shen Jinpei was worried. He hadn't one student capable of succeeding him, so he asked if I could help. So three years ago, Darwin left us to join his school. At that time, I was selfish. I wanted you to stay. You see, you were a good deal stronger than Daming. Now, if Daming can improve so much with his teaching, you're certain to do even better than him. And so, I'm not going to keep you here any longer. So, Matt, that kind of sets up the film of what it's about. Why don't you flesh it out a little bit? What else happens? What is King Boxer or the Five Fingers of Death all about? Sure. So, Chi uh, Hao is sent to study under Shin Chin Pei, um, a better master than the one he's been studying Kung Fu under. He travels to his school um, where he is being trained to fight against the bad Kung Fu school um, and fight them in a tournament. Um, he is essentially defeated and pulled aside and maimed where his teacher teaches him in the, the iron palm technique, which makes him undefeatable and gives him five fingers of death. See how I like looped it back around. There? That's impressive. It's that is. Done. Yeah. Thanks. So what'd you think, Chris? Well, so I did a little research on this one too. So this is, I guess was the first martial arts film to be released mm -hmm. in the United States. It was, yeah. Um, Warner Brothers did that. This is because of the popularity of the TV show Kung Fu. So mm -hmm. this predates uh, any of the Bruce Lee stuff by, what, right. just, I think, a few months. All right. Nothing drastic. Yeah. But this was a huge worldwide hit. And let me tell you, I can see why. I think even though the story here may be a bit redundant again, you know, of course, this time we have the <laughs> added thing about them being a contest, which I guess is right. more Karate Kid than it is anything else. But... Uh, I, even though we're being a bit repetitive, I felt like this was may have been one of the more interesting selections in the marathon. I found it to be the be I don't want to say it was the best film because we'll talk about that next, but it still seemed to be the most enjoyable thing for me from start to finish in regards to just the technical aspects of it, the presentation, the story, uh, right. the technical efficiency, all of that stuff. So I thought the fight scenes in this, again, were exceptionally well choreographed. I think some of the best in the series that we've done so far. And I noticed a couple. This one has a lot of Kill Bill in it. A yes, lot. it does. Yes, even the right down to the musical cues. The, the musical cues. There's one of the thing where he has the fight where he's saving um, the singer actress. I can't remember blanking on her name now. But in the restaurant... That is like a smaller, condensed version of the final fight in Kill Bill Part 1. Right. It's got the it's same the stairwell, the same yep. balcony. It's it's the same building. It's just yep. much smaller. So you could definitely see uh, that this film was a huge influence on Tarantino. And I thought it was fantastic. What would you think? Yeah. No, I, I really enjoy this film. Um, you got to... Yeah, just as it said, it's one of the Shaw Brothers' very early films. It's one of the ones that kind of really broke out outside of China. So um, you got to give it its due for that. I think it was surpassed pretty quickly by some of the other films that came later and obviously some of the ones we watched. But I think for what it is, um, it was a fantastic film. And as you said, it's a huge influence on Tarantino. And I love the kind of uh, 
iron fist glowing hand effect right before he he put out a, that stuff i mean just the yeah. way they did it just shooting the light on his hands i thought that was brilliant just how just what they used what they had and it actually works really effectively yep and there were other things too that would change and shift particularly with color with one of the uh, main characters passes i don't know if you noticed but he now his light was green yes it's just him you know like little things like that throughout the yeah, film that uh these these nice little artistic touches that i really appreciated I don't know, man. I thought this was one of the better films in the series, even though it yeah. may have been one of the first. Yeah. So yeah, that, I will I, say though, out of I may be spoiling things a bit, but there, there's, there are some major. I think there's a a huge dubbing accident in this film. That uh, there's a scene where the traitor guy tries to talk the main bad guy into ambushing our hero on his way to the contest. Right. And the bad guy's like, oh, no, no, we can't do that. That's not honorable. And then later on, he does exactly that. There right. is no... Those lines got crossed. I think yeah, those somewhere. lines belong to the other actors. That's probably... It's yes. the only thing that makes any logical sense to me. Right. And then there's a couple other things, too, like where the beginning of the contest says, you two go get ready. Begin. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> you know, there's little things like that where just I think there are technical errors that sure. still I think for in a weird way added to the enjoyment of the film. And there's a particularly good fight scene in this as well where one of the actors, one of the martial artists is blinded. Yes. And then he comes to seek his revenge. Yeah. Uh, that particular scene I found particularly entertaining and interesting. It's an engrossing film and it doesn't have the Saturday morning cartoony quality, particularly that like five deadly venoms had. Right. So um, this is a, a top of the sh top of the uh, shelf for me uh, for the marathon. I'm actually, I've, I'm like B plus A minus on this thing. I'm going to go A minus because I'm just feeling pretty generous. Yeah, um, I'd give it a solid B plus myself. But it is, it is really if it's, you know, obviously it's something you have to watch if you're a fan of Tarantino. If you want to kind of get into this genre, um, you'll have a, a big kick. I mean, just in it, it in, made the influence on a lot of pop culture even beyond that. If you look, even the um, the fight scene at the end of the tournament that's actually that is was recreated for street fighter the video game street fighter 2 where you can fight on that stage on that same thing with the pagoda in the background oh really uh, huh. yeah it's pretty cool i thought that that final fight scene it was honorable mention for me it didn't make the cut but it, it basically was number two yeah for me especially when he knocks him into the wall and the walls yeah. kind of collapse you know those kind of there's a lot of great little moments in that so yeah no that's a great one yeah, and but I mean, it does have some. One, of, did you notice the? Uh, it has it continues the uh, the kind of streak of you know the 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 rift between China and Japan as yes. the Japan the Japanese um, bad guys show up and they're all brutish and they have those unruly caveman type wigs on and stuff like that. So it's it's uh it's definitely shows its colors as far as that goes. Oh, certainly, yeah, mm -hmm. definitely. So if you've had a chance to see King Boxer or The Five Fingers of Death, shoot us an email at feedback at thefirstrun.com. I'm dying to know your thoughts on that one. Matt, do you have any other thoughts? I didn't want to cut you off there. No, no, I'm good. Good times, good yeah. times. All right, then. It's time. It's Let's time. wrap this sucker up. Let's jump into the awards for our martial <laughs> arts marathon. But first, here's a clip that was just too good for me to ignore. What do you want? I did what I was supposed to do. Where's my brother? Is he all right? Where is he? We'd like to see if he's all right. That wouldn't be easy. In this country, you can't hide an escaped convict. Then he's gone away? 
on his way to Hong Kong by now. He's well and safe. Pay me the rest. Not until we can see him. Hey! Nadal, listen to me! We have no more money. The three million yen we advanced was all we could raise. It's the truth. We need more time to pay. All right, but I'll need some collateral. You'll make out on the streets. I'm warning you not to touch her. See here, I'm honest. I'll pay what I owe. We had to rescue her brother. You can understand that. I'm not in this for nothing. No, he is not, because you are not a hero until you turn out your female companions to the streets. To that's make right. The money you were owed. Protagonist, hero. There you go. <laughs> and that's, of course, is Sonny Chiba in The Street Fighter. Yeah. So, Matt, so we're going to run through the awards. The awards are, of course, best actor, best slash worst dubbing, best fight scene, which film was the best in the marathon, and then we're going to go ahead and rank them from number five through number one. Though obviously, mm. number one will be spoiled by the award itself. And then I'm going to throw one at you right at the end, Matt. So oh. um, one you are not prepared for. Great. Because I, like I like to change things up. So first off, yeah. your best actor. Sorry, folks. You just heard him. That's Sonny Chiba. All right. He plays, of course, Terry Sarugi in The Street Fighter. And I can't, outside of Gordon Liu, I really couldn't think of anybody else. I'm sorry, Bruce. But um, those were the two that were the standouts for me in this marathon. Mm. So for me, I had to go with Sonny as your best actor because that being able to still be that kind of entertaining and be the type of character he was in this film, which is just a dirtbag, <laughs> um, top shelf. High marks to you, Sonny. So he's my best go. actor. There you go. Uh, he's my best actor too. I really wanted to go with Bruce Lee. And if you'd asked me when this started, I probably would have gone with Bruce Lee. Apropos of nothing, but I had forgotten. I hadn't seen the Street Fighter in so long that I had forgotten how funny and fun uh, Sonny Chiba is. Just this sublime overacting with all, all of his facial expressions. It's just fantastic. So, yeah, I definitely agree that Sonny Chiba is the correct choice. All right. I'm glad we agree on that. Next up, Matt, best or really worst dubbing in the marathon? What did you come up with? Um, I'm going to have to give it to my boys. I'm going to give it to uh, Fist of Fury. Um, it has some of my favorite lines just of how ridiculous it is. And it's got all of that charm that you expect um, from good, bad dubbing um, to you must be tired of living to let's go beat him up to the guy just laughing out of nowhere and then immediately stopping and going, okay, it's <laughs> done. It's fantastic. Every bit of it is absolutely fantastic. <laughs> No, that is that is a particularly good. I know. I think in the end, I have to go with. I have to agree with you and go with Fist of Fury, though. I got to tell you, man, the, uh, King Boxer was nipping at its heels, particularly yeah. with the uh, what what Man of because was most recent, but clear, swapping the dialogue pages for me was just was just enough. But when it comes to, I, I think you're entirely all right. When it comes to the cliche about that stuff, right. I think uh, Fist of Fury is the way to go. That's for mm -hmm. sure. All right, so you got best fight scene next. Honestly, Matt, I think the only option for me was going to be was going to be Sonny Chiba, Terry Suguri working his way through the shipyard. 
Okay. Maybe a bit too much. And if I have to choose one, then I'm going to go with his final fight with Seek and Borrow at the end of the film. But um, just his working his way, particularly when he's going up the ladders, I guess, in the boat or whatever it is, it's just uh, the shipyard, the, sh- the ship liner. It's just fantastic stuff. So, um, yeah, I've, I, that's what I ended up going with. Well, Chris, we're gonna have to we're gonna have to disagree on this one because that is absolutely the complete wrong answer. The oh. obvious answer is Bruce Lee again in Fist of Fury when he goes into the the karate school and takes on the entire school by himself. Um, here's the thing: out of all of these actors, Bruce Lee is obviously the most accomplished martial artist, and he's certainly mm-hmm. somebody who could kick everybody's ass all at once in from all of these films. So um, you get everything about it. You get the, the noises and the grunts and the kind of uh, the best, yeah. like when that shot from overhead, when they all kind of rush him and he just like puts his arms out and stops and it spins around him. That is just fantastic. And then he's got the nunchucks to fist of fury nunchucks versus a sword. How can you pick anything else? That's, you know what? Yeah. Hmm. I think my problem is we watched it so long ago that I made right. uh, forgotten some of that well you know if i'm i'm nothing if i don't stick with my guns right just right because have some have some integrity have some integrity if it's wrong it's still wrong have some integrity about it (laughs) so what was your best film in the franchise then um we is yeah i'm gonna have to go i think i'm gonna go with the street fighter um fist of fury was so close and it's again it's you know it's probably a coin flip on any day, which one I would rather watch. But I think overall, uh, the street fighter is probably the better film. I agree. That was my number one as well. Uh, yeah, I think that's definitely the way to go would be the street fighter. It's a, it's just, it's right in my wheelhouse. You know, it's, it's got the martial arts, but it's also a grindhouse film. It's right. just dirty and ultra violent and, and, and absolutely ridiculous. So I think inevitably that's why it was my, Number one. There's no other place where we're going to go. Mm-hmm. So what's the rank? What's the final ranking out of the five, Chris? So I think I got five Deadly Venoms is my number five. Mm-hmm. 36 Chamber, the Shaolin at four. Mm-hmm. Fist of Fury, three. King Boxer, two. And then Street Fighter, obviously. Um, my list is exactly the same, except I would switch uh, places with uh, King Boxer and Fist of Fury. I would put Fist of Fury, two, and I would put King Boxer, three. Okay. Fair enough. I'm going to try and tag that right now. There we go. Good times. So my last one for you. Are you ready? Yeah, I'm ready. Out of all the films we watched, which one would you want to see remade today? Uh, I'd have to go with the Street Fighter. That is something that I could... That seems like it's something that you could remake, whereas a lot of the story from the other ones are basically the same thing over and over again. Essentially good kung fu martial artist fights bad karate school or kung fu school avenges a master and let me tell you watching this i never realized how kung fu master must be one of the top five most dangerous jobs in the world because they always get killed in, in brutal ways and they have to be avenged so um yeah i think uh i think uh street fighter just from the very fact that it has such a different plot than the rest of them i mm-hmm. think is the one that would be remade i don't know who would do it though yeah i don't I don't know. What's the guys doing John Wick, maybe? Or Gareth Evans? Those seems to be my two go-to action directors right now. Particularly yeah, but Gareth I'm, Evans because of the Raid films. Yeah, so then, but who would who would replace, who would fill Sonny Chiba's shoes? That's really where I'm going with Ah, 
Yeah, that I have no idea. Mm. Because I would really want, because I don't think Sonny Chiba was really that much of a martial artist, and I kind of would like to see it continue that way. I would hate to see them get somebody who was an actually good martial artist first and an actor second. I would rather them get an actor first. So like Shia is what you're thinking? Yes, exactly. <laughs> Tom Hardy is the street fighter. <laughs> Venom himself? Venom himself. You wouldn't go with an Eco Urias though or anything like that? Yeah, you would actually want it. Interesting. All right. Hmm. Yeah. I, I think it's. I think I would lean towards Street Fighter as well. Though yeah. there's something about the five deadly venoms that I think would be a blast True. if they it remade be, it today. Yeah, that would be fun. That could be a lot of fun. If somebody like a Gareth Edwards and just kind of leaned into the insanity really hard, that could be a lot of fun too. Yeah. Yeah. I can go either way on that. All right. So did you enjoy this marathon? Did you, uh, you were not really exposed to this, this type of film and did you get a greater appreciation of it? I did. I did. I, 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 it, it has sparked an interest. I want to see more of this stuff. I've read and found some other things. Like I haven't seen um, Tony Jaws. Is Tony Jaws the protector, which mm-hmm. is supposed to be good, really good. And one of the, I guess, if you buy the Blu-ray or DVD, one of the special features is the original, I think is a Thai version of the film. Okay. He's Thai, right? Which is supposed yeah. to be much better than the U.S. cut of the film. So uh, I'm thinking about picking it. It's like 10 bucks on Amazon. So I may just take a flyer on that. Sure. But uh, yeah, I'm definitely much more into this kind of stuff. And made me, you know, it made me think about too. When I was a little kid, I remember my father was watching this, was watching one of these movies. He wanted me to watch it with him, and I had no interest. You know, I was all more about Superman and everything. So unfortunately, right. I missed out on some potentially great martial arts films in my formative years. There you go. You're like, if it doesn't have Van Damme in it, I don't want to watch it. <laughs> wasn't who would have been the guy for me at my age, at that age i don't know were martial arts you were young? late 70s early 80s no. i don't think so but chuck no, norris because, right yeah it would have been chuck norris and he fought bruce lee and he gets his chest hair ripped out by bruce lee it's it's fantastic you have to watch all three there's only three more bruce lee movies you have to watch those too all right i'll get on that i think for yeah. me it was i never got into norris and when, when i first got into martial arts it was, I'm embarrassed to say, basically it was Steven Seagal was like the first guy for me. And then but Van Steven Dan. Seagal is sublimely bad. It's so like in like there's like a whole other genre of like those He's a keto, right? Is he a keto? Yeah, a keto, yeah, a keto. Um those kind of I'll I'll just kind of go ahead and say it, those late eighties like white guy martial artists, like uh Jeff Speakman. Yeah, I know you love Speakman though. The perfect Dude, weapon. Speakman is on perfect weapon is on Amazon Prime right now. I watched it the other day. It is fantastic. I got it that so bad. I picked it up on Blu-ray a little while Did like you? A year oh, or two ago. Good oh yeah. You, man. I enjoyed it. I don't even have it on Blu-ray. So yeah, if you're into some uh if you're into some of the that kind of uh White guy martial arts from the late '80s. There's some good selections on uh on uh, Amazon Prime right now. I should check them out. I will. And well, I think too, for me too, another one was another moment where it brought me back to it was Rumble in the Bronx with Jackie Chan. Right. Yeah. yeah I was yeah. in a big Jackie Chan tear <clears throat> for about five years. But yeah. All right. Good times. Good times. Well, I appreciate you, Matt. You uh, uh you curating this list for us. Thank you very uh-huh. much. No problem. I'm glad I did a good job. I'm glad you enjoyed yourself. I very much so did. Now we have to figure out what we're going to do next. I know we have that musicals marathon. Oh, French man, I just New Wave. Wait. French New Wave and musicals. Ooh, which one is which one of those two excellent decisions is it going to be? I can't wait. Well, we'll probably wait till November because uh, you're going to be out and about. You'll be traveling, so we may have some right. filling hosts for a little bit. 
Uh, but you'll be back, I think, for one. Sh- yeah, we'll f- you'll see. We'll figure. Yeah, it out. Yeah, I'll be back for at least two shows in October. So there you go. So we'll probably wait till November. I know I want to do some stuff for Halloween as well. Uh, there's sure. a couple Halloween movies I haven't seen. Like I haven't seen four and five, I think. And I haven't, eh, I don't know. We'll figure that all out. Word. Word. All right. So if you've seen, well, what, actually, if you caught up with all the films in the marathon, what'd you think? Shoot us an email at feedback at the first run.com. We'd love to hear your thoughts about the whole thing. And you know what? I'd also be interested if we, if there's any glaring omissions, if there's something that you think that we should see or we should make a shout out to, I'd be interested to see what else is out there because we're certainly not experts. We're just amateurish fans. There you go. That's a great suggestion. I'd love to hear that as well. Next week. Ooh, next week. It's going to be the Venom. Still no score yet on Rotten Tomatoes. Comes out in three days. Which does not bode well. But I think I think I'm slightly higher. I I don't know. I'm feeling pretty confident that I'm going to win this one. I think you might. I'm at 32. percent You're at 35. Right, because I think Price's Right rules are going to save me here. We could still be both like 10, 20 points off, which I think would be generous. But I think I'm still. I think I'm going to pull this one out. Yeah. Also, A Star Is Born is coming out, which I will be checking out. Me too. But uh, yeah. So we'll have to figure out how that's all going to shake out. But anyway. That'll be the big show for this week. Shoot us an email at feedback at thefirstrun.com. Go to the website as well, thefirstrun.com. Check us out on YouTube and Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Just scroll, 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 scroll. Eventually, you will find us. Go to Apple Podcasts and give us a rating. That's how more people will discover the show. And if you give us a rating, I will, of course, read your review on the air, regardless of how many stars you give us. Though there's a fiver in it from Maddie if it's four and above. Yeah. I'll get right on that. (laughs) (laughs) So we're going to take an extended break, and we'll see you all soon.